All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the TF Tuesday pod. My name is Zill. I hope you all have been having a great week. Today, I have been pondering whether or not Google Docs has a dark mode on Chrome. I'm still not actually sure that it does because I'm a Firefox user. I'm joined by my illustrious co-host, Calibra. How are you doing, Calibra? I'm doing all right. And you doesn't have one, but you can just get an extension for your browser or some shit like that. But, but does that exist for Chrome? It should. I feel like, I don't know, I used oh, to wait, be a wait, Chrome wait, wait, user. Oh, wait, 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 yes, yes it does, because for my job, uh-huh. I I had to get one, because otherwise I'd be staring at a white screen for eight plus hours. Okay, interesting. So th- there is one. In fact, uh, I've been noticing that uh, when I started, uh-huh. everybody was showing me dark shots, and there was no fucking dark mode for it, yeah. and I went ahead and just installed it. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, so Chrome has it. Because I, I used to be a Chrome user back in the day before I realized, oh, Chrome actually sucks balls. And then I was, like, looking for a dark reader, and I was like, does one exist? And I couldn't find one at the time. So either I didn't look hard enough, or they came out with it afterwards. I don't fucking know. This is news to me. Whatever. So. And if it's news to you that you should join our Patreon, then you can know now. <laughs> That's the segue you're going with? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> You should you should know that we have a Patreon that's and true. that if you're willing to help us out with at least a little bit each month, that's actually really good. You can get into the Patreon, talk to us, see little exclusive bits that don't get out into the world very easily, or at least start from there. Yeah. Uh, figure out what the Raisin Room is. Fuck it. <laughs> you know? It always... It always warms my heart how you somehow managed to make the segue feel somewhat natural and somewhat not. It's like this wonderful, like, uncanny valley in between, and I appreciate it. Because advertising works that way. Yeah, Because you know you, you, know you got to do it. Yeah. But you might as well do it in the way that at least doesn't feel like, stop right there. <laughs> this topic was interesting, but now we have to talk about this. <laughs> now for a commercial break. Yeah. For our own <laughs> shit that we have to yeah. fucking do. Uh, I love late stage capitalism. <laughs> uh, I want to live too. Yeah, I know. I know. Anyways, uh, enough about us. Uh, we have a very special guest here today that we're really excited to have on board. Um, Azel, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah. Hi, my name's Azel. Uh, I'm an internet art donkey and frequent TF victim. I'm very excited to be here. Hell yeah, and very excited to have you here. Um, I was curious maybe just to hear a little bit as to how you kind of got into TF in the first place, because I have to say, like, your art is, you have a very well-developed style, and I remember kind of noticing it almost starting to pop off, to me, almost out of nowhere (laughs) when it started showing up in my feed. So I was curious what kind of your your pathway was to creating TF art. Yeah, uh, to the outside observer, I did sort of appear out of the ether. Um, But I have been furry adjacent at least since like the late 90s early 2000s i've always been kind of a lurker in the Mm -hmm. fandom um and was always kind of like drawing and you know interacting with stuff online but not really out there um yeah you know i sort of found my way into furry through tf uh i tell this story a lot but i remember googling not googling (laughs) google didn't exist (laughs) it was ask jeeves Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. Oh my God! I'm old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't know what to search for, so I searched for humans with tails because I was always into like human animal hybrids and like TF, right. but I didn't know that was really like I didn't know furry was a thing. Yeah. And yeah, I came to furry via TF. Um, but it was one of those things that like you know during the 
the pandemic, I was like, you know what? I really like this. Um, I'm going to put myself out there more. And that's why I sort mm-hmm. of like appeared out of nowhere. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. My, my reintroduction to the furry fandom went a lot better than my first time, which was in college. Uh-huh. I was like very excited to join the like furry group on campus and had some kind of like uh, bad run-ins with people, like kind of toxic personalities. I was like, oh you know, maybe furry isn't for me. And coming back to it as more of an adult has been very rewarding. Very, very happy. Nice. So, so, so wait a minute. Uh, what, why, I don't know the, the way you're like, kind of like, Oh, TF brought me to furry. Cause I didn't know what it was. I mean, I knew what furry was for a long time before I knew transformation was its own thing. So like, why stick with it? Why stick with it? Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I've always been into like anthropomorphic characters um Mm -hmm. so like having that as a base but tf was definitely like my through line that was my guiding uh force into the fandom Mm -hmm. Uh, okay i mean i i can see that but (laughs) i guess the deeper question may not have an answer Uh because i mean i'm into transformation and it brought me closer to the fandom and i do not identify as one. Oh, yeah. and i've been doing it for like 10 fucking yeah. years and i'm and people are like you're a furry i'm like you'd like me to be and you can assert <laughs> one and you can make a persona for me and i have a sona you but i will never sona. call it a persona yeah and i also just don't want to do the furry thing whatever that <laughs> well, is well it's funny because i think that there's actually a really interesting through line with azel's experience in that um, I think a lot of your experiences with, you know, some furries have been like very like strong and not great personalities. And it's kind of like a, well then fuck this kind of thing. Strong and weak ones. There are some very, very <laughs> weak, timid, bitch ass motherfucking personalities that I fucking detest. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's totally Shit. valid. I, uh, I always think it's funny when you encounter someone that's like, I have a persona and I have a fursuit and I all I draw is furry art. But I, I'm not a furry. I'm not a furry. I always think that's really interesting. Yeah, but I don't draw furry art. That's another thing too. Well, you yeah, you only draw TF stuff, right? Yeah, and so. I and anytime I draw anything anthropomorphic, it's because I had to, or I'm doing it, it for like somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's not that's not my primary interest. The the fixation yeah. on it is something that is I'm still an outsider on. But but, but you are cosplaying all the time. I am cosplaying all the time. It's true. We, that, you're cosplaying sorry, as for, a furry. For context. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so sorry for context. We went out one time uh, last time for Halloween, and uh, I was wearing a fur suit, and uh, Jack was wearing like a, a the oh my gosh a mask like a yeah. silicone mask I think and everything. Wearing the fawn? Uh, yeah, no. I think I no no I think it was the snap. Anyways, yeah. whichever one it was, and Libro was wearing uh, just like his cape that he wears all the time and people thought that he was dressed up for Halloween and it's like, no, this is just what I wear. Hell yeah. This, we need to bring back. There's capes. this guy. <laughs> yeah. This guy was like, you, you, are you like from like Harry Potter or like Lord of the oh, Rings? Yeah. Which, which house yeah. are you from? Yeah, which house are you from? Are you a dwarf? Are you from Lord of the Rings? Are you, are you fucking Boromir? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's none of that, and it was just great to tell him, you know, what if I told you I just dressed like this? And he's yeah. like, what? He was His mind was blown. It was very so. fun. That's awesome. And, uh, That's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and that's yeah. how you want to feel. But uh, this is this is not even getting on topic, but it is a nice way to introduce each other. Yeah, no, I appreciate. I think I think everyone has very interesting stories about how they came to like embrace TF or like join the community and stuff. And I find it's it's been really illuminating to me in how many people have kind of found their way to being active in the community during the pandemic. Because I feel like there was like a lot of like self-reflection that happened during oh, that time. Because there was this massive explosion of like people like getting into like the fandom and stuff. And not just like TF also with like furries, of course, but like specific to our interests, like there's definitely a lot of people I found who became a lot more active in transformation spaces that clearly had, you know, been around in some way, but weren't like actively posting necessarily so i think it's really interesting that you know that has continued to be a through line for a lot of people i mean for all the bad that came from the pandemic there was quite a bit of good um yeah including a lot of that time for self-reflection and you know just deciding how you want to live your life and yeah uh i'm very happy for you know the good that came with the bad hell yeah no i completely agree um, and, you know, speaking of good with the bad, there was a topic that we haven't really gone into on the podcast before. You'd think we had with like, you know, 86 episodes so far, but, um, I was really interested to chat with you a bit about Animorphs yes. because I know that was very much a seminal work for a lot of TF fans, I think for you and I both. And I think it's about time we talked a little bit more depth in depth on it, about it. Uh, so I was curious to understand how you came to interact with Animorphs and what your initial thoughts were it uh, uh, thoughts were about it at the time uh, Animorphs was something you know I was always like a nerdy kid always like in the library and mm-hmm. something I just happened upon and you know saw the cool covers and was like you know this yeah. is something that piqued my interest and I think I started reading them way out of order from the library and then, yeah. you know, the Scholastic order forms would come in. And that's when I started, like, buying the book a month type thing. And yes! Scholastic book yeah, fairs! Book fairs yes! Bookmobile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I eventually figured out, okay, these, this is a series. There's a through story. Like, went back mm. to the first one with the lizard or whatever. And Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and it just it made me hungry for more, like... I, you know, I remember sitting in like the fourth grade, we would have like reading time and I was in the like comfy reading corner of the classroom, opening up Animorphs for like the first time and like being like, oh, cool. Like kids that like, they're like superheroes that turn into animals. Like that's cool. And then like, oh, why does this make me feel funny? What's going on here? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I it's funny. I when I first found it, it was at my local library and I definitely uh like the ones that they had on display were not like the first one or whatever. I didn't end up reading them out of order because I was a stickler for that kind of thing as a kid for whatever reason. Uh so I je- I remember going to the library and being like how do I actually get like the first four or five of them? Uh so I think I put in like a I don't like you had to write it on a piece of paper or something. This was before computers. Um, And then they'd like put it in the system or whatever and and get it to you. So, um, but it was definitely the covers that, that drew me into. And then I think it was like brought for the covers, made me feel things and then stayed for like 
the horrifying story, as <laughs> it were. Why? Why do people neglect to mention the the flip animations in the corner of the book? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I loved those. It's something you do people not get have... with the ebook. Yeah, I I miss that so much because it was so fucking cool to see. I just kept doing it over and over again. Yeah, and, and I think that's really funny that people don't seem to fucking mention. Yeah, because we, we always talk about the covers, but you never hear people talking about the flip animation. You're right. Yeah, it's just and I was like, ooh. Oh no no no, go ahead go ahead. Yeah, you first. Oh, on. something. It's just like something to do with like the physical media of a book that you can have the flip animation, but also the dual cover where like. It had the yeah. this, the silly covers that we all know with like the multi step mm-hmm. transformation, but then you would open it up, and there was like a cutout that had like yes. a scene from the book inside. Yeah, which you also don't. I get thought with that the was always so cool. Yeah, I I wish they had like converted some of that. I will say like um, as I'm sitting here, we have the uh, the uh, animated graphic or not animated the graphic novel versions of the first four sitting here next to us, and I. I I had was kind of hoping that maybe they were going to include something like that in. They did. It's still amazing. Like I'm, I'm shocked in such a pleasant way at how good the graphic novels have pleasantly been so far. Surprised. Yeah, pleasantly surprised. <laughs> um, but I was kind of hoping there would be a flip thing, and we didn't get that. Which you know, it's just a little part of sadness. <laughs> You're already getting a comic. What, yeah. No. No. Animation. I, no. No. I'm not going to be want... that. No. I'm not going to ask for more. I'm happy with what I got. I'm happy with what I got. I mean, it could have been good if it was like you know a hundred extra pages. Oh God. And also, you know, some of it made of like some sort of uh, photon sensitive paper oh that God. could illustrate uh, looping animations into it. No. <laughs> No, absolutely not. <laughs> well, the 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 I guess the thing I've always thought about Animorphs in particular, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. You know, we often interacted with the series when we were much younger, and then it's kind of stayed with us. And then some of us have kind of gone back and like looked at it again with a different lens when we were older. So I was curious if you've like gone back at all and reflected upon it now that you're like an adult, and if there were like different messages that you take away from it now versus when you were, you know, first discovering it in grade four in the Renick Corner. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, like I said, when I was a kid, it was definitely just like, oh, they're shape-shifting superheroes. Like that was a very yeah. surface level. I did not, all the other stuff went way over my head. Um, the PTSD, the genocide. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it was just like, oh, they beat the bad guys. Hooray. Uh, but going back to it as an adult, it hits so differently. Um, you know, there's a, there's a character who is basically immortal. He's an android. And mm-hmm. they're pacifists by nature. But um, there's one book where they kind of, like, interrupt his programming to make him fight because he's actually really powerful and he just slaughters countless creatures uh, and aliens and they reflect on it later and they say they talk about how like you know i have to live with this horror now forever because i'm an android and i can't forget it like yeah oh my god that hits so hard as an adult like this is a children's book series like what (laughs) yeah okay I, I just want to say that there, I get when people are like, oh, this is for kids, but kids aren't, like, stupid. And also, there has to be, like, a point of entry. I think it's a good one. Because look at you. You said all this stuff went over my head. 
but this is for kids. Well, you know that, of course, as an adult, but that's what makes something for all ages. Yeah. If, if your children can be like, this is exciting and fun, and I want to see how it ends, and mm. the adults are just like, oh, my God, the themes. <laughs> oh, oh, I oh, I see, and, and I do want to figure out, oh, so this is how the character's panning out, and that's good. That, that yeah. that's good media. So I think it I, I think it's actually kind of um uh, it's kind of an unnecessary statement. Like this is for kids. So I'm like, yeah, your dumb ass your dumb kid ass would not have known. Yeah. Well I think the in, the interesting thing about it as well is just that I think uh like as kids, I think a lot of kids did take it in to some degree. But going back now, like it's not that like it's I guess shocking to some degree in terms of how like apparent it is now but like when i was younger for example like i definitely was taking in like you know oh this is horrifying you know there's like this ptsd going on and like this is a fucking graphic war where people are like being killed but the messages that i took away from it i think was a lot more like black and white i guess in terms of like the morality and now i go back and i'm like there's so much gray you know yeah of course but that has to be painted with experience and, of course, and knowledge of and all that and all that shit. Yeah. And then th- that's why that's why it seems like oh so obvious for an adult, but it's not for a kid. Yeah. It, it never it never really is. Mm-hmm. So you could watch a lot of media that you were just like this is for kids. Yes, it's for kids. Of course mm-hmm. you get it. But if you remember the same thing from twenty years ago and like I didn't realize it, it mm-hmm. it's. I I guess I'm only saying that for the people who think that things need to be softened up for children a bunch oh, because yeah. because for like for instance uh, Hilda Hilda's a show for kids yeah that one Whew. but but Hilda has a child get murdered twice in the same episode yeah and they're just like yeah that's fine yeah <laughs> that's fine and and, and and if you think that I'm just kind of like extrapolating it no he gets decapitated twice. It's yeah. just not gory, but he clearly gets decapitated, and when they try to revive him the first time, they put his head on wrong, and they have to cut his head off again to, to fix put it, it on the yeah. right way. And it's like, yeah, that's for kids. <laughs> yeah, of course it's for kids. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. But one of the things that did always stand out to me was how visceral and detailed in like, a horrific way a lot of the changes were described. And I know this is, like, a, this is very like a common experience, but like... I was curious to know if, like, that sort of detailed, almost graphic horror, but for kids kind of thing, affected how you interact with TF today. Oh, you know, like, looking back on it, the... Because I, I've started a reread of these um, a couple years ago. I'm not quite done. Yeah. But the the TF sequences, I remember them being much more in-depth. I think reading them now, I'm kind of like... You know, I've I've read so much TF media since then that I'm like, oh, these are these are yeah. kind of basic. Like they make a lot of mistakes. Like they talk about like, oh, my knees flipped directions. Like that's not how an anatomy works. Like that bugs me. Right. But yeah, yeah. I think that like um, the fact that the transformations were never painful to them, like the science magic of the Andalites protected them from the pain, uh, mm-hmm. definitely made it more palatable. And like, like I said, I mean, they were superheroes. Like to me, it was like, as a kid, it was like, oh, cool. They're going to go fight the monster of the week type thing. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I definitely, as far as how it affected me, like I definitely prefer the transformation not be painful and that it, you know, mm-hmm. like it can have the, like the gruesome sound effects or like body horror, but 
um, that's like a big sticking point for me. And I, I'm pretty sure that stemmed from these books. No, that makes sense. I think one of the things that always stood out to me about them in particular was they did a lot of detailing once the like characters were animals into how their mental states shifted. Um, and I know we'll get to, to some of this in a later topic, but I thought the way in which the books would navigate some of those like mental changes was really interesting. Uh, the one that always stands out to me was how uh, I forget what book this is in, but they turned into ants. The in ants, the book. oh and, my god! And they had the hive mentality, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so interesting!" Because it was like so overwhelming for them; they almost like forgot for a period of time that they were humans at one point. And like that is a, it's not a you know a, a body horror per se, but that is definitely like a strain of like it's existential horror. horror. Yeah, it's existential mm. horror, and that's like so interesting to me that it was worked into these books in such a way that again like maybe it wasn't quite as potentially horrifying for kids who are reading it but reading it now having consumed all the tf media that i have i was like oh oh fuck you know (laughs) yeah i there there's that Uh, and there's always there's the ants on the one side of the spectrum and there's the dolphins on the other side of the spectrum yeah you know they're obsessed with play and like everything's a fun adventure and um i think that the the sort of like animal you know going back and reading them as an adult you're like why didn't y'all take like an afternoon to just like get used to each morph before you go on this like life or death mission yeah like the animal instincts (laughs) take over and you like can't control yourself for 10 minutes but they're kids, <laughs> they're stupid kids. Yeah, I that's mean, the thing that that's the thing that like gets me. People like, like okay, because there is like a sexualization, of, like the whole animorphs thing. Yeah, but but they are just kids, and they're and, and kids are not as like I get the whole child soldier thing, but they're still not trained. Yeah, warriors oh, yeah. or anything. It is such trial and error. With they don't them. they don't have a fucking protocol. Also, there were a lot of situations where they're just like, "Whoops, I got to do this now, or I'm dead." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of like when they went down to the yerk pool for the first time, I think like they were like, "Oh shit, this is happening, and we have to save." Was it Cassie that was gonna get yerked? I don't remember at the time. I think it was Cassie. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, "Oh shit, well, fuck, I guess we're gonna morph now and you know deal with it later." Yeah, it's either that or get killed or assimilated or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The the sort of like the animal instincts part, and I know we're gonna talk about this later um, in another topic, but I think those books in particular were very good at teaching empathy um, for other species, obviously, but also like human empathy of just like, Oh, you know, not everyone sees or experiences the world in the same way that you do. And yeah, I think that that was a fantastic lesson as far as like things that you took away from it as a kid that like going back to mm-hmm. it as an adult, like I really appreciate that. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think that, one of the things I always liked about the books, both at the time and also going back to it now, is just the emphasis on how, like, there's no, you should, like, basically the books are like, you should never romanticize war, because mm. there's nothing to romanticize about it. And, like, that is very much a through line throughout the entire series that I think was even apparent to me as a kid at the time. And I know that that was one of the driving forces behind how, like, Kay Applegate approached a lot of the books. And, like, it handled it in a 
a mature way, but an, also an accessible way, mm. I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And, like, yeah, the child soldiers part, obviously child soldiers are bad. That's, like, very obvious. But, like, there's also a lot of nuance that goes into some of the motivations of, like, the Hork-Bajir and, like, their whole deal and, like, how they were interacting with the Andalites and, like, why the Yerks are the way they are. Like, to, I guess to your point about the empathy thing, like, I think it makes sure to add dimensions to every single cast member and like species that's involved that i think didn't always uh come through for other books that were trying to achieve similar sorts of things so you know you you say child soldier's bad and Mm. it's funny because they they're it depends on what angle you're coming from there are the kids who get indoctrinated into this stuff Mm -hmm. and then there's them and it's like the other kind of tragedy where they're like, hey, yeah. here, I'll give you this ability so that way you can survive what is an impending invasion. But then they start to actually try to fight back, and that m- creates them that way. Because yeah. they could have quit. They could have quit, or they could have run, yeah. or they could have just decided to turn into an animal and be like, que sera, sera, you know, yeah. all that shit. But they didn't do that. And then just everything kept escalating until everything blew the fuck up yeah yeah well i think one of the things that's also really interesting to talk about is the ending uh, because i know a lot of people were really upset with how they ended and i guess uh spoilers for a book series from the 90s that's like (laughs) 30 plus years old hey hey Um, hey 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 if people haven't read something yet there's no reason to give them flack oh no i'm not i'm not i'm just i'm just i i've you know I, i always find it funny from when it's an old piece of media. Anyways, spoilers. So uh, at the end of the book series, uh, one of the main cast dies and the rest are really traumatized post-war with the Yerks. And then there's an unresolved cliffhanger out in space at the very end. Um, And so I guess I was curious to hear your thoughts, Azel, on how you felt the way the series ended and also Kay Applegate's defense of how she ended it too. I mean, it was never going to end well, right? Like, that was pretty clear from the beginning. And I think that it's good that it didn't have, like, a Hollywood happy ending. Um, There were definitely parts of it where, both as a kid and as an adult rereading it, it was like, I could see how different choices could have been made to resolve this in a better manner. Like, towards the end of the book, the Yerks get the morphing cube. And had you know earlier on when they were like experimenting with adding new animorphs and like the whole david saga had they just like given that technology to the yurks and the yurks could have been like oh i don't need to be a a blind slug i can be i can tf into another animal stay that way for two hours and now i have eyes and taste buds and you know like yeah there were definitely other ways that it could have gone but i think that the message that they were going for both as like an ecological message and like a sociological like war bad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's good that it ended the way that it did. Um, I think it just we're we're you know throughout the ending. Um, I've, I'm looking at my notes here for the last few books. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the Yerks get the morphing cube. Um, Cassie fucks up she could she could have like stopped that but um you know then they try to enlist the government's help and like 
the government is a fucking useless. And yeah. then the Andalites come. Hooray, they're here to save the day. Uh, but they're like, oh, no, we're going to, like, glass the planet. You know, yeah. that, that's our solution. <laughs> <laughs> and J- Jake, Jake's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to win this war. Um, so Jake makes a lot of bad decisions back to back that yes. ends up in his cousin dying, um, ends up with like a lot of the new Animorphs that they've recruited, pretty much all of them dying. Yeah. Um, and then ends up with him doing a genocide. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then towards, towards the end, you know, a lot of the, like I was talking about earlier, a lot of the Yerks and, mm-hmm. you know, even the Taxons come over to the Animorph side with the morphing technology that, oh, you know, we don't have to live this way. We can, we can take advantage of this technology. Um, but then, you know, we have a flash forward um, and kind of like what everyone has been up to. And... Mm-hmm. Jake is Jake had been in a military tribunal over some of his leadership decisions. Um, he's now teaching at an academy like Marco is Marco is Marco. He's become a celebrity. Cassie. Yeah. Very predictably is an activist. Um, Tobias hates everyone. Like Tobias is so pissed at Jake for like, he'll never forgive Jake for, um, killing Rachel basically. So he's yeah. just he's just living that hawk life. Yeah, um, that hermit life. Yeah. <laughs> um and then you know one day the uh the bad guys come back, they capture Axe and now Jake is like forced back into action. He like gets the gang back together. Um mm-hmm. and they go out into space in a ship named the Rachel. Because <laughs> a little on the nose, a little on the nose, a little on the nose, um, and then J- Jake comes up with a big dumb plan again, and then that's where it ends. Uh, yeah. So was it the Elemist that was the big bad in the in space, or was it someone else? It, I'm trying to remember. It's like uh, it's it's an it's an alien who just like like absorbs other creatures. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's okay. I don't think it's named as the Elemist. Yeah, sorry, I was thinking of the Krayak, but yeah, it's neither of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, I yeah. forgot about I, the I, Elemist, all of his like background. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's so funny. Uh, I guess um, uh, this all actually seriously spoiler warning for Baldur's Gate. I guess there's a lot of parallels actually with the plot between the two that I was reflecting on in the lead up to like talking about this, and part of me was kind of like. Huh. Interesting. Um, I, I, I find that the kind of overarching, like, this battle between good and evil type thing between the two of them is always a really interesting part of the story, too. Um, and how they were, like, using a lot of, like, you know, the Animorphs and stuff as, like, pawns for their, like, schemes or what have you. Um, and it, I don't want to say it, like, it didn't undercut their free will, but I thought it added this almost, like, uh, operatic destiny kind of 
dimension to the books that was also really interesting and was reinforced by how the books ended in that like it was almost a never-ending cycle which well, it's, is it's also manipulation to war yeah it's manipulation because because okay the uh alien crash lands on earth is begging you for help and you suddenly think i i need to do something and then it's like if these guys catch you you're dead and then you see what they're doing and you don't have the big picture of anything you're just on one side of that. You don't have this entire idea of like, well, why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of lives? What drove them? What socioeconomic factors, you know, caused them to start and, uh, you know, do this and trying to colonize planets and shit like that? You, you don't think about that, and especially if you're just a fucking kid, mm-hmm. you know, and you're just given your way out box. Yeah. So it's it's um so so that's 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 how you end up with this stuff, which is part of the tragedy too. Oh, of course. And part of the adventure because now you understand that what you've been fighting is can be solved differently. Yeah. I think that that point you just mentioned is so real too in terms of like I think as kids it reads very much as an adventure, but when you're rereading as an adult, especially if you know how it ends, it's like, oh, this the tragic elements were there from the get-go. Like you said, like, you know, we always kind of knew the books weren't going to end super well, but it's even more apparent when you start reading it, I think, when you're older. It's like, oh, yeah, the the, the seeds for, like, this all going horribly wrong were there from the beginning. It's also something that, as you were describing it, that they seem to be, they seem to have been pulled into a situation that was almost, like, cut out for them. Yeah. It's like Metal Gear Solid 2 as well. <laughs> it is. That's 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 part of the plot for Metal Gear Solid 2. I'm going to nod and agree because I've never played Metal Gear that's Solid. That's fine. Oh, play Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> I really should. I really should. <laughs> two. two. One yeah. and two is good. Three is... Three has snake some, Eater. Has, has some nice things to take away. I just know four, Snake uh, Four ruined everything. Five uh-huh. continued to ruin everything. Okay. And now we're getting uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 Electric Where? Boogaloo from it, Kojima. Well... Uh... <laughs> Aren't you excited for no! the second one? No! No! No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. It's okay. Let's move on! Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll That's not fine. talk about Animorphs okay. anymore okay. if I do this. Okay, okay. Well, anyways, I guess I guess in closing, I was, uh, you know, since you've done your kind of reread, were there any, like, new interesting takeaways that you had now that you've kind of, like, made your way through them a second time like anything that like besides the themes and stuff that really stood out to you as something that stuck with you uh i think the story of, of tobias especially has stuck with me as an adult um mm-hmm. because you know as a kid it was just like oh well he he's a bird now like that's pretty cool like i want to be a bird um but like as an adult and like this has been more or less confirmed by the authors um tobias is a trans metaphor like he yeah he chose to give up his human life and live as a bird and i thought that was rereading as an adult like it's very very clear um Mm -hmm. but i think that that was a cool message especially for the time you think of the 90s to slip that into a kid's book um that that one really stood out to me that one really stuck with me yeah no, I, I completely agree, and I think it was definitely very groundbreaking for them to do it in that very, you know, subtle way. It didn't necessarily need to, like... It, it didn't necessarily... Uh, it wasn't necessarily apparent, necessarily. Wow, I said necessarily five times. But the point I'm making is, I agree with you. And I think it's also really interesting that 
um, I know that Kay Applegate, um, one of her kids is trans as well, and she's always been very, like, vocally supportive of them. Um, and I just love when childhood authors turn out to not be pieces of shit, so we, we honestly love that. Yeah. We were, we were all back in the wrong horse. <laughs> yeah. K- no, K- I, K- we, Applegate I mean, was we were always time. in the Animorphs tank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Cool. Well, um... Another thing I kind of wanted to chat with you about was uh, TF relationships and how that's kind of like intersected with your own identity. Because I know that for a lot of people, being in a relationship with someone who's into TF is seen as almost like a goal. And I know about that we kind of talked about it on our show earlier in the season with Days, but I was curious to learn a bit more about how you've been currently navigating it as someone who is also dating someone who's also like into TF and produces like content. So I think... So it's it's been fantastic to start off a, um, uh-huh. but I think what makes our situation a bit unique is that um, Doryu has a more public facing uh, personality. You know, he mm-hmm. um, has had opportunities in the past, and he is seeking future opportunities to be like, you know, he to to give some context. He works as a full-time streamer he's a uh he used to be an ex-pro uh gamer and he used to play for an org um yeah so we have a lot of discussions about like how to maintain our various personas both irl and how we present ourselves online for for me that's not such a big a deal like i i draw like furry art and sometimes porn and like that that comes with the gig but like Uh for him he's trying to attract you know outside organizations he's trying to attract sponsors he's trying to appeal to a wider audience that's not necessarily just the furry community and we have a lot of discussions about like how much of ourselves do we put out there to remain unique and individual and how much of that do we keep just for ourselves you know like we don't have to share all of ourselves 100 percent of the time um so that's been that's been kind of the the navigating that we've had to do for our Mm -hmm. situation fascinated why this is why it's got to be such a thoughtful process about what to share and what not to share it's almost as if you think there's an expectation to put everything out there and now you're just trying to figure out what's a cutback and if that is the case, how did you even come to feel that way, especially with this? There are mm-hmm. people who are in this fandom who are terrified of being around normal people as if they'll be detected. <laughs> That's true. That is And true. that is so fucking weird to me. It's yeah. like they don't understand that most people have no idea this is a thing, that yeah. this specific thing is something that people like actually sometimes construct an entire identity around. Mm-hmm. Nobody fucking knows. So, like, do you really do you really feel like there's an expectation to just sell your entire personality and life online? Because I don't. Oh no 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 no. the The way I'm describing it is purely more of sort of a business decision basis, especially for him. Right. Like there, there's definitely a desire for both of us to be a bit more openly weird and like I have the leeway Mm -hmm. to do that, but he really doesn't. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and navigating that has been challenging for sure. And it's something that we're constantly like testing. Where's the line? Because a lot of this is like, like for example, werewolves are pretty acceptable to a wider audience. And like, he has branded himself as a werewolf and like, like that can be cool and edgy, but like, you know, to a wider audience, you know, finding out that this is like, also a kink and like there's more behind it like as far as for his career um maintaining a public persona that um is not associated with all of that is very important yeah that it's definitely not the first time i've heard that too because um corvolf who we've had on before has has a separate uh safer work versus not safer work persona that are never uh, technically intersecting. And I know that there's been some thought process from them about that too. So it's unfortunately not the first time I've heard something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it, I guess it is, it's an interesting sort of like, I don't know, I feel like there's like, I think a lot of people expect streamers in particular to be like super like open and authentic, but it's like, you can't necessarily do that all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's like, you have to think about all these other considerations um, and how it impacts the people around you as well. Like yourself. Right. Past the point, depending on the amount of success you can't, you get, you can because Markiplier fucking put his nudes out. That's true. Markiplier put his nudes out. Um, He's reached the apotheosis though. Like we don't have to, (laughs) No, yeah. no, 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 no. This is no. This still matters because people do get affected by what they do, like in one way or another. Oh yeah. Kanye West isn't gonna be looked at the same way again, is he? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. guess that's true. No, he's not, and he is so good. Oh, yeah. I don't like Kanye, no. and I don't really get his music. I don't know why people like it that much. And if you're listening, and you're like, "Oh my God, you offended me," and I'm gonna come fight you, c- come fight me, whatever. I'll fuck you, <laughs> and fuck Kanye. Um. Anyway, the uh, the, the the thing is, um, I, it really depends on how you put yourself out there because there are people who make money off of really abhorrent shit. So I think that even if you catch like a little bit of like, oh, this is like a horny thing for you, isn't it? But I think again, this is another thing of this is goes again into the whole. I think people are gonna find out that I masturbate furiously to this. <laughs> they, they, um. Because you can be kind of horny with people. You just you just need to know that when you're in a room with adults, what kind of adults are you in the room with? What kind of a stream is this? Mm-hmm. So you, you, you can be forward-facing and authentic. But if you're, like, really trying to cast the widest net possible, you will have to cut back so much shit yeah. and essentially invent an entire personality. Which, that actually is a completely different thing from even just, like, being like, I choose not to tell people what mm-hmm. state I live in, what my relationship status is, what my partners look like, you know, what the rest of my house has in it. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's... Those things are different yeah. to me. So... I mean, I guess that's another thing because the uh, TF relationships. I've never heard people really say that term. So, what does that mean to you? What? What? what I mean, I, obviously, it could mean like two people who are into it and in a relationship. But I don't know. Um, just real quick, like to touch on what you were saying. Mm-hmm. I think that. So in, I mean, I I don't want to speak for Doryu. 
also like yeah, you, yeah you should you should interview yeah, yeah. him but <laughs> yeah uh, he can come on anytime <laughs> uh there you know there are challenges in um making yourself marketable to outside organizations which is what we've had to deal with myself i i haven't had to deal with that as much like I get to be pretty weird, especially like on my streams and stuff, like anything within, yeah. you know, Twitch TOS. Uh, but I, part of, you know, um, us being together is I have encouraged him to be a bit more open about the things that he's mm -hmm. into, especially with TF, um, because I think that that makes him unique too. Yeah. Um, and as far as like being in a TF relationship, so for me and my experience, um, T uh, first of all, like TF has always been like the thing, like, yeah, uh, I'm not really into normal porn at all. Like I'm not, mm -hmm. um, like it does nothing for me. Um, and you know, in the TF is like kind of always in, in the back of my mind for a lot of intimacy and, or all of intimacy and yeah. It has always been a sticking point in prior relationships um, where it's just not understood and, like, no amount of, like, sharing and, like, introducing them to media and content can, like, get the point across of, like, how my brain works around this. Mm -hmm. And having another person that just gets it and, like, we've had sort of similar experiences um, – you know, growing up with the internet and kind of like navigating our way to adulthood with the same struggles of like not being understood by former partners that like mm -hmm. finally having someone that I don't have to explain this to that has like an innate sense and like their brain works the same way has been so wonderfully freeing and so like calming and comfortable that like i i didn't know a relationship could feel this way i guess yeah that's that's honestly so great to hear and you know i definitely have had my own uh encounters on that front so i can very much empathize with that struggle of like you know pe trying to explain it sometimes to people and they don't really get it i think one of the interesting things that i guess i've i've noticed in particular is how like and correct me if this is wrong, but at least in terms of my almost interpretation, it's like, obviously the happiness is a plus, but also it, it seems like externally, like it's enabled you to also be more like authentic in terms mm -hmm. of like your interests and how you express them, not only online, but also like at cons and stuff. Um, Cause I know that, you know, transformation is also an important part of like going to like some of these furry conventions because there's always going to be that subset in community and it's a way to meet other people that you wouldn't meet in person otherwise um would you say that it's influenced how you like express yourself online and in particular like levels of openness about some of those like potentially weirder tf things oh 100 percent. like we we've both sort of encouraged each other to kind of push those boundaries. Um, I think as far as like going, like being in person at a, at a convention, that's a little different because that's like such a curated safe space that even when it's not like a, yeah. a TF meet and greet where it's like, oh, everyone knows that like 
Azel wants to be a donkey, like what, whatever, like uh, yeah. you silly guys, <laughs> like. <laughs> um, so like that, I that I wouldn't say has has been affected so much, but um, <laughs> I think living authentically um, has definitely been the greatest boon of all of this for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what people really want: yeah. self-actualization after yeah. mm-hmm. their needs are met. Mm-hmm. Want to be yourself, yeah. And meeting somebody who's into the same stuff as you is a relief because it's easy, it's simple, yeah. But when you don't, but everything else clicks, well, what what is it? Is it really worth it? And sometimes it is, mm-hmm. and that's because I've had the experience of both. I'm living with someone who's heavily into it more than I am, and um you know, as help me understand the kind of mindset that you have. Because mm-hmm. what you have, and I now know the distinction, what you have is a fetish, not a paraphilia. Yeah. I have a paraphilia, not a fetish. And the difference for anybody who doesn't understand is a fetish is something that somebody needs in order to get going. And a yeah. paraphilia is something that you may really, really like, but you don't really absolutely need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So... That is something that a lot of people don't understand, and I didn't either. Mm-hmm. And it would probably help a lot of people who are making connections with others or trying to build a relationship or be romantic with somebody. And it's good to know that mm-hmm. because, hey, I don't care what anybody says. Sex or lack thereof is an important part of a relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you don't really know how to express that or word it, yeah, shit could like could be strained or fall apart mm-hmm. or be uncomfortable, and then you can't really be yourself or have a relationship. Yeah, that's that's what I've learned, mm-hmm. and I don't know how many people are fully aware of that, yeah. and also even know how to reflect on all that stuff, because people kind of sit around sometimes and they're like, stuff just is that way, mm-hmm. and it's not even a matter of it doesn't have to be. Sometimes you can figure out why. Or maybe stuff is that way and you're just comfortable with it sucking because you think it should. Which is why I find it interesting how you said, hey, I didn't know a relationship could feel this good. That's that's fucked up that you had to go through that, by the way. But hey, I didn't know sex could be a good time at all (laughs) after my first time. And I'm and honestly I'm I'm glad that you've like found a place where you do like get to experience that happiness and to build off something that you said and not to like throw a wrench into your theory of the case but i know that you know um we kind of talked about this offline but azel i know that you are also like identify as ace and you know that obviously has like an interplay into how you interact with tf and how you like navigate relationships so i was curious if being into tf and then also having that element has like affected how you've kind of interacted with these tf spaces uh i mean it it absolutely i mean there's no way it couldn't you know it absolutely has yeah um and i think especially with my my relationship right now like to to touch on something the libra mentioned like i've i've also had sort of both types of relationships now and mm-hmm. um the great part about uh, Dory, my current partner, is that we not only match on this one thing, we match on like everything, you know. So it's right. like it's not one or the other; it's the complete package, which has been 
phenomenal. Um, but uh, as far as like being ace, like ace, I identify as demi, and that's something mm-hmm. somewhat um, new to me. Um, I guess I had I had never like I had never considered myself to be, fall somewhere in the ace spectrum um, until a couple years ago it was ace week and a friend of mine sent me an article and he's like, Azel, you need to read this. Like, this is you. And it was about being Demi. Mm-hmm. And it was like kind of an eye opener. Like, Oh, Oh yeah, no, this is me. Like, and like, has that changed anything? No, like I'm still the same person, but it has like helped me to recontextualize a lot of things in my past and like right. how I think about sex and how I think about intimacy um Mm -hmm. and door also identifies as demi he also identifies as egosexual um what's that that means like they egosexuals like have no sort of like desire for actual sex or like they sort of like mentally remove themselves from the idea of it like um it's happening to someone else you know yeah yeah so it's like a proxy is necessary yeah, it's uh that that has been like a learning process for me as well. Um mm-hmm. but we are, you know, our di- our dynamic works pretty well together and we have like opened each other up um intimately to like a lot a lot of things that like we never expected to either of us yeah. to be into also. Mhm. That's interesting. So it's almost like, you know, as you've kind of been learning about your own sexuality and also each other's, that's also opened up doors into kind of new interests and niches in the fandom Mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Did you find that in terms of like navigating all those things at the same time, has that like been a challenge or did you feel like one really was leading to the other? So they were always going to kind of be connected. What, uh, can you rephrase that question? I don't. Sure. Sorry. So, um, you know, obviously you only more recently have like learned about being demisexual and like, like recontextualizing some past experiences has working through that, um, been like a challenge at all or did you find that working through that actually opened you up to these other sort of new potential avenues oh, of like okay. interest yeah okay i understand um i think i think it it has it's been less of a challenge and more like exciting i think um that's good yeah i think it, it's been uh and a, a journey of uh self-realization and um mm-hmm. It's been uh, sharing a lot of experiences with another person who who has a similar way of interacting with the world that has mm-hmm. been a very freeing experience. That's good. No, that, I'm really glad to hear that. Um, I think that is, again, like I said at the top, I think that's like the goal for a lot of people to find someone who they can like mesh with on that level, both like obviously outside of, uh, you know, the fetish and like as people, but also like with the fetish as well. And so I think that it's, it's really great to hear that that's kind of been your experience. Cause again, I, I think a lot of people like aspire to that. Oh, and love like, and acceptance you know, is what people yeah, want. Yeah. It's accept that. It is acceptance. It's yeah. love and acceptance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Very simple. How you get it, that how you get it and how you want it, that depends. Yeah. Good. You got to have both. Good communication. Yeah. <laughs> yes, good communication is like the bedrock of a good relationship. You cannot have a good relationship without good communication. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was curious then, obviously, you know, you said um, that it was more of like a recent uh, recontextualization, but um, did you find that being Demi like bumped up against um, like sexual stuff within TF, which can often dominate online conversations? Or has that always been kind of a topic that you're at least somewhat comfortable with navigating even before that kind of realization? Um, It's something where... Uh, you know, especially when I'm dealing with commissioners or um, when I'm, you know, just just speaking to to other people who are interested in my art or, uh, you know, like trying trying to find because because TF is such a wide like there's so many niches in it and so you know like yeah finding that that common ground every time you're like meeting a new person, um, I think. I've, I mean, I, I don't think, I know that I have always sort of been uncomfortable talking about sex or having like lewd conversation and especially like doing art, uh, in the fandom. And yeah. sometimes that's not safe for work art that like, I have to, I have to get to know the person quite a bit more to like understand where they're coming from to like really, mm-hmm create something together that they'll enjoy because because I don't have my brain doesn't work the same way and like I don't understand like what about sex is hot to them right Um, so like I guess that's part of being Demi is just like getting to know someone and then like you know uh, understanding them better and like how, how how to relate to that so like having that realization um has definitely helped me in those conversations um Mm -hmm. but i i do find myself shying away if the conversation turns too much just towards sex yeah how does that how does that look when people turn their conversation towards sex um i just take up less space and let let them you know. No, 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 no. Not, not what you do. What the conversation? What is the conversation that drives you away? Like, where does it go? I don't even think I understand. Yeah, I don't. you don't understand the question. Okay, because right now I can talk about sex. I think sex is uh, pretty fun. I have had a pretty good time with it. My first experiences of it were pretty shitty, actually pretty stressful, actually scared me. Uh, but you know, then later on, another partner, and I was like, oh man, this is actually really fun, mm-hmm. and I was willing to try more things. Now you see, I'm talking about it right now. Is this driving you away or making you kind of be like, eh? no, 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 not, not, not in this context. Um, but like, like for example, when a commissioner, what makes me uncomfortable is when a commissioner wants me to sort of be a part of their fantasy. Ah, oh, horny posting. Yes, okay, yes, horny posting. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, I refer to it as horny posting. It's it has exhausting. happened to me a lot. It yeah. is uh, exhausting. Their yeah. descriptions will pretty much be like. RP presentations. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Or starters. Yeah. Okay. You see, I was thinking about like interpersonal. I was thinking uh, conversation, like you know, like we yeah, we're yeah. having now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The conversation may be about sex, but when you're talking about clients, yeah, yeah I don't, just, don't do that. Uh, you you can be 
you can be pretty clinical and be like, listen, man, I just want this cock uh, like this. Uh, front and center. <laughs> uh, I want it to have like a few ridges, maybe like four or five. I don't know, but try not to make it too few. Um, yeah, I like the ropes to be thick. Uh, I want some of it to be hitting the wall. And um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Could you do yeah. a little thing on like the taint where it looks like it implies like a clenching, you know, for, yeah. the, for, the, for the load? But that's that's actually pretty straightforward and like that, that is more ris- that is more accessible than like oh let me tell you about the backstory of this character that you're going to be drawing and you know I, I want to understand how you interface with them and like what would you do to them in this situation it's like no we're doing a commission here not a role play what the fuck are you doing you because know I like, always think about exactly how it feels you know oh just like <laughs> the legs when they're like pulling like that you oh, know God. emoji. <laughs> Some I'm, I'm, fucking I'm poo- shit. I am poo bearing into the ceiling right but now. You fucking don't do that, man. If you want to fight, it- look. <sighs> artists and clients can hook up. Whatever, man. Just, just fucking. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, it, I, I, am speechless. This, this yeah. is not the topic about it. But anyway, I get it. I, yeah, I, I get, get where, where you're coming, coming from, from with that. <laughs> Well, it's funny you say that because that's how Dor and I met. He commissioned me to do some art, and then we started talking and became friends. <laughs> oh, there you yeah, go. But, this, uh, this this year too. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. how it happened. Tale, tale as old as time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but see, there there's the thing. Like you actually had respectful interactions with them first, and then got to know each other as people, and then things went from right, there. It didn't start right. with, oh, let me horny post at you. This is definitely how this is gonna work. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. <laughs> So yeah, that, that that that's all I wanted to know, and I misunderstood. But yeah, I totally fucking get it. I don't want people horny posting at me. Yeah, it, clients are not. I've had people just be like, "So what do you like about this?" And they go like really, really into it, and I'm kind of like, "Hmm." It's like I just met you. You're you're, you're sort of <laughs> touching yourself, maybe. That's that's and it's like whole, no, I'm not. That's the whole joke about Sorry. furry, right? Like. You meet someone yeah. and you learn like all their deepest, dirtiest fetishes, and then you learn their like fake name, and then if you're really lucky, you can learn their real name. Their real name, yeah. <laughs> and, and their oh, man, occupation. I, I, do, I do not have the tact for that. I'm like, do you want me to call you that at the table? And then they'll have to be. Then they'll have to tell me whether or not they want yeah. to say a certain name. Oh my god, it's so true though. I have I have run into that so many times of like i am learning what gets you going before i even know like what you do for a living and that just feels very strange okay you know why and this i know this is a tangent but that's because fa people mostly set up their pages like dating profiles yeah that's true that is why that's interesting if you take take a look i am I am this sexual orientation, I have this identity, I have this disorder, I have this personality type, I like these things, these are the people that I like, these are the people that I have, the, you know, this is mm-hmm. this is my relationship status, people do that too, and I know that you do it, so please don't, please, I hope you're not taking this the wrong oh, way. Oh, no, no, no. But like, but like, it, just, just now, look at it, anybody who's listening, surf FA, just check people's profiles, you'll be like, why do I know this about you? So mm-hmm. like I I wouldn't be surprised to find a blood type there. <laughs> you oh know, my god! Oh, if someone uh, put their blood type in their FA, I think like, I would just pass. It's like a manga. It's like a manga. If they're if they're yeah. Japanese, if they're Japanese, because blood type there is kind of like Western horoscope for us. It's supposed to say something about you. That uh, really? I, yeah. Yes. No. That's, that's why. That's why it's the, yeah. That's why you find blood types commonly oh when you're looking god. at character profiles in anime and manga. I. 
I never fucking knew this. This is brand new fucking information. <laughs> yeah, I've actually, I, I, I forgot how I got to learn Jesus. this, but it was like, why are there blood types? And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, God. so I knew about this for a long time. I don't even know what my blood type is. I, I don't know mine either, <laughs> and we fucking ought to know, so that when we're, like, dying oh. on the stretcher, we're like, yeah, what is it? Hey, I need whatever. Motherfucker. Oh you know, uh, but, but seriously, F.A. is full of dating profiles, as far as I'm concerned, and this is also the way that people look for their acceptance because they want to be confident. They want to be like sexually open because that's self-actualization and mm. lots of people want to fuck one way or another. So they want to be wanted. They want to be lusted after lots of people want this. I still want that, you yeah. know? So it's, so it's no surprise that there are people who you get to know that first because that's what they want to put first now you can look at my page and find tons of porn but that's not me really but, but that's like a consequence of me wanting to share what i make mm -hmm. not so much what i want to show yeah. people i don't leave people with i'm an artist here take a look at this i know you're over 18 you know yeah i i have more to show for it and that and and yeah it's 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 like that and plus and again i'm looping it back Remember, people get awkward because they think that somebody's going to detect like the weirdness about them, mm -hmm. you know, what they what they do by themselves. And that's not true, but they really wish people knew and that they would, you know, be okay with it and also be horny about yeah. it. Yeah. They, they want to yeah, be seen without necessarily sometimes the risk of also putting yourself out there and being a bit vulnerable. Yeah, and also like even like talking to Azel we're, we're, you know, the discussion of how vulnerable do you get to be versus yeah, um, what your ambitions will allow or your goals and shit. So I know it's a tough balancing act sometimes, but for a lot of people, it's just social. But for you guys, it's about a living, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. Gosh, I, I had never considered FA profiles that way, and now... That's that's kind of an eye opener. You you are absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, I can't it, see anything yeah. else. I remember the first time you told me that. I was like, I can never unsee this. <laughs> I, might, I, might so... to, I might need to edit mine now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I I really really am not trying to take shots at you. No 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 yeah. no, no, no no. That's that's like such an eye opener, and you are absolutely right. You are yeah. absolutely. Right. I know mine mine is kind of set up like that in a way too. I didn't change it necessarily, but I did like. I think I did actually take out one or two things now that I. I'm thinking I, about it. I just didn't feel the need to tell everybody the things. But yeah. as I'm looking here, I'm just like, shit, I, I get to know whether I probably want to hook up with you. Yeah. This is weird. <laughs> anyway. The, 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 the one thing that always wigs me out, actually, that I will mention, uh, when people are, like, really specific about their location, I'm like... I don't know, maybe this is like the 90s internet safety in me jumping out, but I'm like, uh, maybe you shouldn't be putting that online. I'm a Markham, <laughs> I'm a Markham local. I'm like, like uh, maybe I shouldn't know. It's too small you. of a radius <laughs> yeah. for me to be telling you shit, dude. <laughs> for context, Markham is a suburb of Toronto, which I, we are not from, so. And I don't live in fucking Markham. I can't yeah. live there. Yeah, that's a, Markham's a whole other discussion for a different podcast. But anyways, um, <laughs> getting back on topic, um, one of the other things I know that I wanted to talk to you about, um, Azel, is about post-TF. Because, you know, I, I think it's pretty quintessential when we're talking about transformation generally. I, you know, lots of people are like, oh, yeah, you know, post-TF, that's my jam. I really love it. And I know that you also have a keen interest on it. So 
I was interested in learning a little bit more about how you came to love it so much and why it is what it is that you dig specifically about it. Um, so the way I came to it is, uh, I was I was reflecting on this when you sent me the outline. Um, yeah. It was, of course, Animorphs. It was like sort of '90s cartoons, like which every series had for some reason a TF episode. They did. Um, but another book that was like very formative to me um, was a book called Cocapelli's Flute, and okay. it's a TF story about a kid who lives in I think he lives in Arizona, and he finds this like ancient flute that. Uh, will turn him into like a little um, desert rat. Uh, I forget okay. what the species is, but he he. It's a lot of like him learning how to handle this new body and how um, to interact with the world. That right, like that really sort of started my interest in in post TF, um, and maybe want want to to seek it out more. Mm-hmm. Did you find that, like, having that kind of impact from that book, did that make you more partial to, like, certain kinds of animals when you were exploring post-TF, or was it just post-TF writ large, any kind of species you're interested in exploring it kind of deal? Um, I mean, I think, I mean, for me, I, I'm pretty, as far as, like, TF goes, I'm, like, the basic barnyard uh slew of critters uh yeah but that i mean that probably came from pinocchio if we're being honest i mean Mm -hmm. i do have a donkey fursona so (laughs) who knows i figured that was potentially an influence (laughs) who knows who knows like where all this stuff got mixed up um and all came together into a uh tf stew but um yeah uh yeah i think as far as like animals like definitely anything anything from from a farm i grew up in the country so i can relate to all those animals especially too right um and you know those those stories are really interesting to me like especially like how humans treat animals and like reflecting on like how humans treat other humans that are different from them and um Mm -hmm. what really interests me about post tf is like when the sort of animal instincts, you know, take over a little bit more and um, they are having to deal with this new awkward body that they're not used to and um, how they sort of like get through their, their new, their new day to day um, Mm -hmm. that I think uh, is overlooked quite a lot, but um, can be really fun too. Mm-hmm. Is it really overlooked all that much? Actually, it's touched on more, I think, because there's often a comment on the fact that a new form is either awkward to navigate or something like that. That's that's it right there. Whether they actually stay with it is different. You know, I think people think of what is your entire life going to do? What are you going to do with your whole life? How is that going to affect your the rest of your existence? Which is not really the same, but if you already got somebody talking about, oh man, it's uh, it's difficult to navigate this without, I don't know, breaking this or not having traction on these kind of surfaces. There's mm. there's a lot of it, but th- I th- I think it's under underviewed from like popular media. It's definitely more common in like fandom produced media, but I think with popular media where 
post TF is like a feature, I do think that oftentimes there would be less attention paid towards like what is the new day to day going to be like. I I kind of my mind just keeps going to the same places when this shit comes up. Uh huh. It's you just want to be torn from yourself or your situation because it's either terrible or you don't like it and it would be nice to immerse yourself into something that is anything but you or how you live mm-hmm. and that is, so it, that is it is, escapism then to you i think it i think it is very largely escapism because with how some people seem to regard it it's less about having fun and more about like this is this is something i really 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 fucking love and and some people need it mm-hmm. you know so it's like I, I can't really relate to it. And mind you, I have dealt with some serious fucking self-loathing. I mm. never got that way. You know? I couldn't even think... Even my, even my first name, I couldn't think of another name that I'd rather be called. Even though people used it against me all the time. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so it's, it's interesting to me. It's also sometimes a little frustrating when people will explain their entire stance on something and then be kind of like... Don't you get how this is kind of like pointed towards other things, you know, and that this post TF thing is very fun, but also. Mm-hmm. Well, then yeah. let, let me turn the question back. Would you say, Azel, that for you, your interest is also on the escapism lens? Or would you say that, in fact, it's not really about escapism, but it's kind of like in a different sort of direction? Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everyone has those days where like fuck being human fuck all this bullshit like i i want to just walk off into the field and never return um Uh but the attraction is definitely not escapism for me um that Mm -hmm. really doesn't enter my mind uh the like for me i think the physical act of of the tf and the the embarrassment angle and the um the uh, dealing with a, a new situation that no one else has been in and that no one can really help you either because there's like no communication and right um, like the like the actual act of the the TF itself is what excites me and like not not necessarily the like oh, I hate being human um, mm-hmm. type thing because like my life's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, but I do enjoy then when, you know, a story doesn't just end there and it goes on to talk about like how that new creature is, is dealing with their new body and like mm-hmm. what, what their new day is like. I wonder if uh, hearing you kind of describe it in that way, I, one thing that really stood out to me was like kind of it's an experience that no one else can really help you with. Mm-hmm. And I think framing it as kind of almost like a solitude of sorts in terms of having to grapple with this new problem does kind of tickle my brain. And so I wonder if, you know, if that is kind of an interest in terms of like, oh, you know, this is something that no one else has done before and now I'm having to like grapple with on a daily basis. Is it like the novelty per se that's also playing into it, or I will tell you something. What Central Park was built with the idea that the people need to get away from the city. Uh huh. So Central Park is huge, 
and the and if you go deep enough into it, you kind of forget you're in the middle of like one of the biggest cities. Yeah, I've been there. That's true. Yeah, but it was made with that escape in mind, so people need that. And how you get it is different for everybody. You can lose yourself in a book. You can lose yourself in a movie. You can lose yourself in a bunch of different ways and just allow yourself to get into a flow state or whatever or just relieve, relax yourself. People do it in all kinds of ways. Sometimes it's drugs, for better or worse. Yeah. You know? But it's it's the same thing. It's the same principle. If you want to turn into a donkey because you're just like, out here for a little while, I don't have to deal with shit. Going to a place like Central Park or or some nice parks like big parks where nature is um is a big thing to remove you from either your norm or your responsibilities or for reminders mm-hmm. of things that either stress you out or make you feel terrible that is what that is we need to be able to remove ourselves so that we can take a break we need relief from our situations and we get that from a variety of ways so if you are thinking of post transformation as a thing um as one of those where you're like all right now that i've gone through this and i've really enjoyed the experience of turning from this into that now i'm going to think about for a little bit of how it is to do this and it's really just like the same thing of imagine yourself on a beach with calming waves and a cool breeze Hmm. I I mean yes and no. Real real quick, I uh, you you mentioned Central Park. Did you know Central Park didn't used to be central? It was like uh, it was like out in the country. It was like sorry, I was a I was an architect in a former life, and I used to live in New York. Uh, central Park was originally like it was way off in the country. You had to like travel to get there, and like the city eventually grew up around Central Park, and it became central. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also designed as like like you when you go into it you think oh this is like this is the primordial Manhattan Island before humans occupied it not true at all every square inch of that thing was designed and it's all like manufactured but it look it yeah. feels like a forest in some places anyway sorry sorry yeah. tangent tangent no tangent. no that's fine <laughs> I know I know that there's a good chunk of Lower Manhattan that is just fucking artificial. Yeah, oh, the whole, this, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so trust me, I, I get it because I'm from there. Yeah. Uh, the- well, something I wanted to pick on that I think both of you were kind of going towards, but maybe kind of veering off at the end that I wanted to mention. It almost feels like I think sometimes the interest in post-TF is almost as much about like the, yes, the transformation, how you grab with it afterwards, but it's almost like a really interesting mental exercise in a way, in the sense of like, oh, you know, I think about a creature and then it's like, okay, if I was that creature and I was put in that position, how would I navigate it? And like working through like the mechanics is like almost an interesting thought problem. And like exploring it in media is just like an extended way of doing that kind of Mm. a mental exercise. Yes. And also just expressing how you can learn and better yourself sometimes, or at least learn to adapt to a situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, ah, ha, ha, ha. No, really, though. Like, what would those things possibly do? What do you mean by floating like. A butterfly. Mm. A butterfly is not a combatant. In fact, their wings are quite fragile. To the human touch, they would be destroyed. Like, that's not the fucking point. You know? So, so like, it's, uh, yes, it is like a thought experiment. Mm-hmm. But I think the value in 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 what, come, in what happens after 
would have to be, you know, what you take away from it. If it's a fun time, good. If it's only a fun time, then also good sometimes. But then if it's also only a fun time, but you need it, then what's going on here? Well, I think, I, I think the, the desire for exploring it, um, at least in terms of how I've thought about it, is often around, like, it's, it's a part of the fascination with transformation. And for some people, it goes almost hand in hand with, like, the fetishization. It's like, yes, I am, I am fetishizing the changes, but I'm also fetishizing the situation that you then find yourself in that you have to grapple with. Like, I think there's like almost an adjacent well, there, fetish, there, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, of course there can be. I mean, that's part of like the whole monster fucking thing for me. Yeah. You know, if I, if I, if I have that and if I want a partner turning into something that I think is monstery and fuckable, mm -hmm. then I am going to have to think about what's going to be coming after. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's so, I, I, I guess to me it's just so fucking obvious that the fixation on what comes after can be kind of frustrating because it just happens. Mm -hmm. I don't have to really focus on it. In fact, I just acknowledge that I don't focus on it because I know I have another focus. And that, that is, like, I think, I think like what I end up doing, for example, and a lot of my art is an exception to the rule mm -hmm. because I know what I want and it's like a different focus. That's it. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. I think there's just a lot of... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. Something that we hadn't really touched on. Um, I think the focus sort of became a bit more about, like, escapism. But I think the bigger thing to me is that feeling of being trapped. Or almost like the new, ah. the new form is like a costume that you can't take off. You know, right. the, it's unwieldy. Yeah. Um, like that's really where the attraction is, is for me. And the thing that really, that really tickles my brain is like this awkward sort of unwieldy form that you now find yourself in potentially forever. And like, what does that mean? And like the ramifications of that. And, um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, that's more where I'm coming to it from. Got it. It, it's to, to use a perhaps not the best um, descriptor. It's almost like a weird, uncanny BDSM, if that makes sense. In terms of like being trapped in this other form and then having to navigate it, and it's almost like yeah, this is like kind of unwieldy, but I kind of like it. Well, and you're also like you're finding yourself presenting yourself to the world in a new form, and like it's a complete change of species, and like yeah. You know that, like, oh well, you're naked now in front of everyone, and like, there, there's a lot right. of em embarrassment aspects to it too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 a combination of exhibitionism and humiliation while also being anonymous because nobody knows it's you. Right, right. But you know, yeah. I I think I think it's a it's an interesting confluence of like a bunch of different tropes that I think are, to be frank, considered like quote unquote more vanilla because a lot of times humans will like explore it in just like more vanilla y ways, but those things are kind of being wrapped up all together and then kind of stuffed into the, the It's conceptual fetish. versus literal. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a that's a good way of putting it. And maybe some people don't want to admit that they literally like to be bound. I don't know. I mean there's there's definitely some people who are, you know, not as open about being interested in that, but it can no, be No no no, not about interest. I'm talking about denial. 
Oh, okay. Oh, well, yes. I mean, we, I think I think there's definitely... I, I feel like it's a pretty common experience, at least in TF spaces, to, like, see something and be like, oh, that's not me. That's I don't think I'd ever be into that. But there's, like, a little part of you that's like, but what if not? And then, like, years <laughs> down the road, you're like, oh, okay, I guess I was interested in it, that. It's, it's the meme of the girl who's like... Uh, oh. Yeah, and then... Yeah, kombucha girl. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That, I definitely have had that experience of, like... Oh, I don't. Uh, but then, I guess I, I guess I have had that. But with time, it was more like, hmm. I keep thinking about this, and I look at it really, really, really hard for yeah. a while, and I'm like, yes or no. And then sometimes <laughs> it's like, nah, nah. But sometimes it's like, yeah. And sometimes it's like, okay, I'll lean into this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there have been like plenty. There have been plenty of things like that for me in just TF, where like I used to be just human to animal, and that's it. But yeah, like. You know, in the past few years, like uh, pool toy TF or fursuit yes. TF, like I I fully blame uh, Mooney uh, Werewolski for my interest in that. Like they do, ph- oh yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal artwork. He um, corrupted me too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, as pool toy Jesus, I of course approve of this. Um, I yeah, I I very much agree. That was something I grew into as well, and um, I, I think definitely the that one's almost definitely a more literal like bdsm analogy in the sense of like for those it's often like you are in fact immobile and you cannot move so you're also going to be used yeah which is not always a bad thing if you you are a thing you are if you are a thing you are subject to the whims of anything or anyone oh no i'm gonna be used for a purpose whatever shall i do like (laughs) yeah hair flip oh no (laughs) Um, I, I think one of the other things, and we kind of touched on this, but to like bring it more to the forefront, you know, a lot of post TF focuses on things like aptophilia and the permanence that we've talked about and some of the mental changes. And like, I think we've talked a little about what we find like thematically interesting about them, but I guess I was curious if you had any specific thoughts on those three tropes and how you enjoy them in relation to post TF. Oh, um, I mean, gosh, I, now I, now I'm like doing some self-reflection that I wasn't prepared for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can, I can introduce one while you're thinking. I think one of the things that I've always noticed is that, um, when I was starting out, I was like, yes, permanent TF. Um, as I got further in, I'm still fine with it, but I definitely noticed it was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I got permanently TF'd into this? But then I'd also want to like be permanently TF'd into this other thing. And it's, it's not really so much permanence anymore. It's more, uh, what's the indefinite? Term? Yeah. Indefinite, indefinite TF was the, the term that I was introduced to. And I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but it took me time to like reflect on like what it was that I liked about the idea of permanence, but also then wanted to match to like turning into like 50 million things so that would be an example from my end i think um my i think what what has been interesting about especially being being with door and like us reflecting on our experiences of like how much our experiences of what we've been into have changed over the years have, mm-hmm. you know like our interests have transformed eh? oh. and <laughs> you know i think it where we both may have come to it from a more a more basic level of like like an anamorph type changing into an animal type thing to now include yeah. 
other parts and niches of of transformation that we may have initially like balked balked against but now have like like oh no actually like that that does something for me and um yeah you know like like i said like fursuit or plush or pool toy or like um you know adding additional things like musk in into um the picture right it the the old the old things still appeal to me but maybe there are some new things now that um are more interesting like as i get older and my taste change yeah no i think that's a pretty normal trajectory that people have in these spaces and i think it's good to do like the self excuse me the self-reflection of like you know this is what i was originally here for but there are other things that are bumping up against that now that maybe i should think about if i'm interested in and why and you know how does that integrate into uh, the original interest and how does that open avenues to potential even newer more like out there tfs that i might find once i've accepted this part of me i might find interest in as well so i also want to bring this up because people like to add and add and add and adding is fun but if you're questioning if you like something and you think maybe you don't it's okay to let go of that too oh yeah absolutely it doesn't even mean that you have to become repulsed by it but you can just be like you know what after a while i realized that's not what i was looking for what i really was looking for was this so this doesn't do anything for me anymore Mm -hmm. and that that is a possibility do not rule it out and it's there's nothing wrong with like oh yeah saying oh man i'm no not for me no more yeah no one has to like absolutely everything about tf (laughs) self-reflection good (laughs) yes self-reflection good yes (laughs) um i guess as like a, a final point um so i guess this is more in line with kind of what you've talked about a little bit libra but like there's definitely a common refrain with post tf and that people want to know more about it to such a degree that sometimes it can overshadow the tf itself so i was i was curious how you felt as to whether or not that is something you've noticed or if you feel that's misguided or if there's some truth to it or something along those lines i mean i I feel like from my experience, at least like most TF media, especially like even, even fandom created stuff, stories and and whatnot that the, the post TF is very rarely like a bigger part of the picture. Like it may be touched upon as like the last three paragraphs or whatever. But, um, I think I, I, as much as I like those things, I do like to keep them separate too. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I come to them for different uh, reasons, I think. And, right. But I, I think that it's it's something that's maybe slept on a bit more that like could be could be expanded more. Um, and mm-hmm. like I, I just I don't think that it's it's something that is uh, is overshadowing the TF itself. At least that's not been my experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I don't think it's being slopped on at all. The problem is that it takes time and effort to articulate something in an interesting way so that you can put it there. Hmm. To say that it's... Because that, that's like assuming that because I don't add a story or anything to all of my stuff means that I never reflect on what happens after mm-hmm. or what or what the result is going to be. And 
yeah, I have had to tell plenty of people, like, you know, there's no story, or I don't know, or blah, blah, blah. And they go away disappointed as if I don't have some, because I don't have something ready for them. Mm. But, but I think about that stuff a lot, or I think about what I would do, or what I would like to do, or what I would like to see, you know. I've had ideas that I just go off on tangents and blow it up into a scenario, and it's fun to do, but it's not being slept on. It's... Well- I mean, I, I, I push back on that a little bit because I do think that there are definitely creators who focus on it very specifically and like have articulated it well in the pieces of media that they've put forth. Um, there's a, a series of stories called The Broken Wing that one of our patrons actually is working on that's very much like post-TF and like that's very much his focus. But I do think that sometimes, and I think this is more of like a, I've noticed this in stories in particular, but um, to your point, Azel, earlier, I think there is sometimes like a penchant for written stories to focus on the TF and then it kind of just ends right afterwards. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, to be clear, because, you know, artistic intent is pretty important. And I think people should be like, you know, creating the kinds of media that they want to see. So if that's not something they want to explore, that's fine. But at least from like the angle of stories, I wonder sometimes if um, that angle is explored as much as it potentially could. I think that if you want a story about a transformation in its scenario, and that's the, that's that's what you want to see because mm-hmm. that's the hot stuff or whatever, then fucking yeah, that's what you're gonna get the bulk of. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you want to know what it's like to trot in a field and everything like that, go read a story where the main character is something that trots in a field. Yeah, well, grass. I, I feel like sometimes there's less of that. I will. There is... Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. Yo, what? Uh, I would um, recommend this book. Uh, I forget the author's name, but it's called Being a Beast. Um, it's by a UK researcher who um, each chapter is focused on a different animal and their sort of lived experience and how Mm -hmm. humans can relate to that because we can never fully know what it's like to be a fox or like a bird right but um his sort of like uh thesis experiment was to go live in the wild as various animals and try to like in order to better understand like the way that they experience the world um and it's not TF media, it's not even furry fandom related. It's it's much more like scientific in nature, but it's mm-hmm. it's a fantastic little book um, if you're interested in that sort of thing. You know, like like you said, trotting off in a field. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point. Actually, I'm curious to read that now. Honestly, yeah, do it. See, don't, <laughs> don't. Oh man, if you're one of these people that doesn't like reading anything that isn't furry or something like that, and I've seen at least one in this chat. Don't be that way. <laughs> You're talking about the audience broadly? If, if it's the audience broadly, don't fucking be that way. <laughs> Man, why isn't there more stuff I would like? Because your pool is small. Yeah, you gotta open it up. Uh, no, I think You have I... legs to actually be on land. You have most like senses available to absorb and enjoy more and, and build that up. Do it! Mm. You know, I found most of the stuff that I love because I've noticed little little details and just and just decided to check that out because I was really curious. 
you know and and you know it's 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 funny that it would even happen because furry tries to incorporate everything into itself Mm -hmm. and yet somehow it stays insulated even though it couldn't really exist how it is now without input from everything Mm -hmm. so just don't 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 consign yourself but back to the uh back to like the the post transformation stuff um i don't know if if you feel like it's if you do feel like it's kind of being missed out on then sure but then i will maintain that if you want that that's more work and time man oh yeah of course and sometimes and sometimes to sit there and you know try to craft something to add to it that you know one thing will just like overshadow the other like a picture mm-hmm. you know a piece of art that you drew so many people are not going to fucking read it. And a few people will, and it'll be nice when they do. But this is also why I agree with Azel about um, kind of like separating them. Mm-hmm. Because then you'll know what you're really doing and who you're doing it for. But if you try to combine the two, sometimes you're going to meet with some kind of bitter disappointment. Mm-hmm. And also you'll have people asking for more anyway and... God fucking damn it! <laughs> I, I, that, that is a good point. I, I guess I haven't I see, thought about it. I that see, way, I but see the... you laughing. Why are you laughing at that one? <laughs> Be, because, because when uh, when that happens to me, when people ask for more, I my typical response is to encourage them to express themselves and use their own talents. Oh, that's to, perfect. To, to, to so, <laughs> <laughs> that you've just made Libra very happy. Good. <laughs> that is that is the right response. Good. <laughs> god i fucking hate that fucking hate that fucking friend of mine uh was was saying how you know for a while he didn't get really a lot of attention lately he got a surge of attention and somebody started to ask the questions are you gonna make a sequel to this and it's like oh man that feels really good because they really like it and then they do and then they're like okay (laughs) sequel to this didn't really get a lot of traction and then they get asked again and then they're like, oh, you know, that's nice that you feel that way. And then after a while, you're like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut up. Stop it. Stop it. You don't want more. You you would like more, but you're not going to go through the effort. You're not going to give a fuck. You will not give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've run into that before, too, and it is. The only, the only sequel that matters to anybody is if you got a story and the next page is due. That's the only kind of sequel. Is there going to be more? Well, I fucking hope so. The story's not over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You almost got to cut it up into parts to keep people interested. Fucking hell. Oh, man. Well, uh, we did get a few audience questions that I wanted to make sure we left time for. Um, And the first one comes from uh, the illustrious Max Velocity. uh, Always a a question giver of a a favorite. A lost uh, one. Famed. Wow, I cannot talk today. Anyways, so Max Velocity says, uh, what's a piece of TF media that was panned at the time but deserves to be continued now? Um, I'm so interested to hear your responses as as hosts of this who have probably encountered more than yeah. I have. <laughs> a sequel. Not a sequel. Oh, man. Like, continued, basically. Continued. Um... My mind is like colliding with a bunch of different things and they're not forming words properly. <laughs> okay. Like I think of like fuck man, I I, I think of like I have an answer s- if you species. Want to I think of 
I kind of think of Tenchi because there's some transformation in that too. Tenchi yeah. Muyo. Yeah. The, uh, the rabbit spaceship thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, they did continue it, but that's an entirely other podcast. Yeah. Um. You first. I gotta. Okay. I gotta pick one. So. I. I was I was sitting here thinking about it as like when I when we got the question the first time. Um, I think that so the the story wasn't necessarily great and I think that's why it wasn't particularly beloved at the time. Um, but the Wolfman, which was from twenty ten, um, didn't get a lot of oh, you just reacted very strongly. I have a choice. Oh, yeah, which okay okay well, we'll get to that um i think the wolfman from 2010 uh it deserved better for like what we did get from it um i think that it i mean i do think it deserved a better story too to be frank but um i would have been curious to see more in that kind of universe explored and I wish that it had been given like potentially a chance for that to happen. I don't even know if that was ever going to really be in the cards, but I would have been curious to see more. And I don't think that because of it, I think because of its reception, it just was never really given much more of a chance anyways. So that would be my answer. Do you want to go Libra? Parasite Eve. Ooh, uh, yes. I yes. don't like saying that because... I don't think they'll ever do it right ever again. The time for experimentation in video games is over. Uh. <laughs> it's over now. <laughs> and actually, so wait, no, wait, no, 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 not cynical. They lost the rights to Parasite Eve. Mm. That's why the third game is not called Parasite Eve. Bet you didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. That's why it's only called Third Birthday, but it is supposed to be the third game. So I have... I have my cynicism and my optimism. The cynicism says, please don't touch it, Square. The guy you have writing shit could ruin that so fucking much. On the other hand, when they remade Final Fantasy VII, there was a... Remade? There's there's a lot to like. I loved it up until the very end of the, the first part. God, I hate saying that sentence. But, <laughs> but yeah, Parasite Eve. Because Aya is no longer human. And it is very clear that she is incredibly powerful. And yeah. I would love to know how that shakes out, especially since the government is aware of her. Not only are they aware of her, they co they 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 worked with her and they cooperated with her, knowing that it's just like, hey, we don't know why you can survive this and not be set on fire, but you're our only hope, man, or we're yeah. all dead. So, yeah, I would love to know what would happen. My optimism is, if Squeenix doesn't Squeenix. ever get if. Yes, if Squeenix doesn't ever get the rights back to it, maybe an indie developer could That'd be nice. and do something really, really cool yeah. that doesn't really have to uh, deal with committee thinking or like risk-reward or whatever, and they can make something really good and something more raw. Because I gotta fucking tell you, the book... Hmm. is fucked up. The, oh, yeah. The, the book is very fucked up, and it is very... And I really enjoy it. You never read the book, Hazel? Did you even know about the book? No, I, did, I didn't know there was a Parasite Eve book. No. I I yeah. love the game. God, when you said that, a man after my own heart, like, Parasite Eve, <laughs> that's never talked about. That sh That is my shit, boy. <laughs> I fucking tell you. It's 
I, I bring it up like several times on this fucking podcast, and, yeah. and I, I love it. It was like a big part of like my formative thing with transformation and like monsters and all this other stuff that I yeah. really really like, and and it's just something that I would love to know. I don't really like what they did with the second game. I like even less what they did with the third, but I um but yeah that that's something that I think deserves a. A reimagining, not even mm. a continuation. I think yeah. maybe even make another character. Mm. You know? Interesting. But yeah. It was also just like you? such an interesting game gameplay wise for the time. It was like unlike anything else too. It was like yes, part have... shooter, part RPG. Like it was really interesting. Uh there's a game that comes close and it's called Transistor. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Transistor yeah. is great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Comes pretty close to that, and I love that. But um yeah, anyway, that's 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 my that's my one pick. Yeah. Uh you? Uh so you you saying that reminded me this isn't my answer, but it reminded me of the game Threads of Fate. Did you all ever play that? I've heard of it. So it it was very overlooked at the time. Um it's also by Square. Uh but it's sort of an action RPG. It it feels to me a lot like a proto Kingdom Hearts. Um, interesting but like in the style of it like there's some graphical things that i'm like oh they're this would become kingdom hearts later uh mm-hmm. but you, there are two main characters and one of the main characters uh after they defeat a monster they're able to transform into that monster um it wasn't necessarily panned but they should make more threads of fate it's also known as do prism uh in in japan okay but my actual answer was going to be the animorphs tv show Oh yeah, that's fucking sad. I was actually thinking about that at the beginning, and I think they should just fucking animate it. Yeah, should have been animated. Yes, animation would be incredible. Yeah, like I think, I think especially today, you know, with the right budget, that could really be something special. Like they were trying their best with like yeah, and like costumes and stuff. But yeah, okay. My suggestion, my suggestion, I think ideally would be a cel shaded three D look. Oh, that'd be so oh, something, something, something like Nimona. Oh yeah, but, w- but with less of, of Nimona, but with less of the fuck. big eyes. That would fuck. Yeah, you know, that'd yeah. be so good. But I oh. agree with this choice too. That's a very good choice. Yeah, oh. y'all have better choices than me. Um, <laughs> <I'm> not better. <laughs> Man, it's like this big fucking thing, and I'm just not into it. But it no, would be no, cool. that's fair. I remember seeing like the new one. The transformation was fucking nice. Yeah, it was. You know, was. but I knew I wasn't going to enjoy that movie. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> Um, so the next question we had was from Figer Fire, and Figer Fire says, you're forced to become a Cerberus-type creature of any species of your choosing. It can be reversed, but first you have to complete a multi-stage task. So the choice you get to have is what two people will become the other two heads. So this is a merge TF question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you want to go first, Libra? Yeah, I would pick... I would pick um, I would pick a uh, tiger and katana to be mm. the other two heads because they can figure out. They add to my dimension of thinking and fill in gaps in important ways, so that if we had to solve our way out of it, I think they would help me. Nope. Although I think solid. it'd be a little tough to convince katana to do it quickly, but <laughs> but eventually we'd get out of that. <laughs> and which head would you be? Um. I know a lot of people. I, I'd be the middle head, but I'm. I really am not sure. Uh, left head. Okay. Cool. How about you, Azel? 
Left so, on my left, not your left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have an actual answer to this. I was drawn in this situation uh, by Sky, actually. Um, oh, shit. And this was uh, this was after we hung out at AC this past year. Um, oh, I remember this piece now. <laughs> we we are uh, uh, Sky Days and I have become a donkey, cheetah, rabbit, chimera. I am the the creatures. I guess their right head. Sky's the uh-huh. the middle, the cheetah, and then Days is the left, the bunny. We I I can I can share the art, but um we yeah have yeah our our front uh uh appendages are donkey hooves with a cheetah body and tail and then rabbit uh hind legs. <laughs> That's great. Oh, nice. Um, I I was trying. I was I was thinking about this in advance, and I'm still just like, oh gosh, merge TF. Um. <laughs> I I really don't know who I would pick because I would be insufferable the whole time, and I'd well, feel bad subjecting people this, to that. Uh, don't don't start with self depreciation. You're in the situation. Just fucking go for it. Okay. Well, I, I think I would be the right head, so that's at least an easier question. Okay. I I I don't I don't know who I'd okay. No, fuck it. Um, I would pick uh, my friends Morgan and Stormy because I want to subject them to that. <laughs> oh. That's who I would pick. Is there a reason you'd want to subject, subject them to that? They know why. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ayo. All right. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Subjected to them. We like to tease each other. It's not actually that lake spicy, but anyways. In that case, they are victims and not subjects. (laughs) A little bit, yeah. Um, (laughs) Awesome. And then uh, the last question we have is from Paula Brady. Yay, Uh, Again, a banger banger of a last name, I must say. Love Uh, Paula. So she says, uh, congratulations, you've gained the ability to turn into an animal of your choice. You also get a free superpower with that. Very generous. However, once you choose that animal, you cannot change your mind later. So make it count. What species and power combination are you choosing? Huh. See, I've watched a few videos and had some conversations and thoughts about superpowers and how mm. bad a lot of them would be for us. Yeah. So I kept thinking, like, what would be the, what would be okay to live with, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the turning into an animal goes, I mean, like, oh, yeah, I'm the frog guy and stuff, but it wouldn't really be, like, very fun or too mobile in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't really want to be a bird either. Like, huh. There's, like, a part of me that thinks, like, maybe, like, some other kind of primate, like a fucking gorilla, because mm-hmm. they're, they're, like, big and fucking strong, just, like, they're just made that way. Yeah, yeah, And they could essentially do the things that I want. It, but but also, like, but it wouldn't be too interesting either because, you know, they have mostly the same appendages. So, like... Is that primate TF slander I'm detecting? <laughs> <there's> a, <laughs> um, I can't, I'm having a hard time thinking of an animal. I know I'd pick durability. Durability, okay. Yeah, I'd want to be hard to you're, harm. You're the tank. You're the tank of the group. Yeah, you're like but, Wolverine. 
But I know that would be bad because if I'm hard to harm and something happens to me, nobody can get inside of me. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> well, okay. I, I know what I would pick, actually. And it's super basic, but it's because this is the thing I've always picked when I couldn't pick uh, shape-shifting. And uh, I just have always had a fascination. Cheetah and super speed. I'm going to be boring, but I think those two fuck severely together. And I like cheetahs. I've always liked cheetahs. So it's not, it's not fuck it. That's fine. Yeah. No, I just because you know obviously cheetahs are fast, but I'm like, but what if they were even faster? You know hey, what I'm saying? You sometimes know, so. the lowest hanging fruit tastes just as sweet. Yeah, exactly. Thank like that you. Uh, <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> I still haven't picked an animal, so I'm just gonna wait for uh, yeah for Azel to, to go. Give you an uh, I am unsurprisingly gonna say donkey, and okay. I am going to say the power of flight, just because it'd be funny. Oh, that would be really funny. <laughs> uh, okay. just, a, just a donkey like hooves outstretched, hovering yeah, yeah, yeah. above you. Like how weird would that be? <laughs> I love that pigs may not fly but this ass will you know yeah. like <laughs> it's kind of like hovering superman like oh that's great <laughs> i dig that okay i'll give you an interesting one uh a rottweiler a rottweiler Ooh, okay okay and you're still picking durability yeah i'm still picking durability nice because first of all rottweilers can be lovable as fuck oh absolutely and if i want to go and get someone nothing will be scarier than a dog you can't destroy that wants your throat yeah that's true actually okay you know so i'm just like "Uh uh-huh so i think i think that would be fun like will i have regrets later i mean i'm already me i'll i'll learn to love it (laughs) Oh, man. Awesome. Um, well, that was all the questions we had for you. I don't know, Hazel, if you had any questions for us. Oh, uh, I was not prepared. No, I, I don't. <laughs> I thank you so much for inviting me on. This has been so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. And we're really glad that you could join us. If people are interested in finding you online, where can they find you? I am very easy to find. I am Azel Draws on all the websites. You can also go to my website, uh, personal website, azeldraws.com find all my contact info commission info portfolio all that fun stuff hell yeah yeah there's a great selection of your drawings on the website i know we pulled that up before we started recording uh so that's a definitely a very good resource to have <laughs> yeah and i'm streaming on twitch now uh, monday through friday we have a really great community there that's all for the most part tf heads too so hell I yeah welcome any other tfers hell yeah Cool. And uh, try to get some normies in there, too. Yeah. Oh, agreed. As many normies <laughs> we can con- convince, you know? Especially for this show. Tell your normie friends about yeah. it. Yeah. Share it around. All that good stuff. Oh, awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you so much again, Azel, for coming on. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. I hope we all had as much fun listening to it as we did recording it. Um, but in the meantime, you know, uh, keep an eye on the weather. It might be uh, ever-changing in your area uh, because, woo, global warming. Um, keep an open mind, get some good rest, and stay tiffy, and we'll see you all back here again next week. Do not let the chasm of darkness defeat you. Agreed. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye for now.